Welcome to the Humans Outside podcast, where we explore life in the great outdoors from our perch in Alaska while hearing from fascinating outside-minded guests. I'm Amy Bouchotts, and since September 2017, I've spent at least 20 consecutive minutes outside every single day. On this show, we hear from others who make heading into nature just a part of who they are too. Are you ready? Let's go. One of the things I love most about doing this podcast is the chance it gives me to share my love of the outdoors with friends and colleagues with whom I've never before realized that shared connection. And that's exactly why I'm so excited to have Kathy Beasley on today. After serving 30 years in the U.S. Navy as a Navy Nurse Corps officer, she joined an organization that supports and advocates for military officers, the Military Officers Association of America, where she worked with Congress to provide good health care for military retirees and families. And that's how I know her. But what I didn't know is that Kathy doesn't just love being outside. She loves adventuring in it. And I can't wait to hear about her life in the outdoors and the lessons she has to share. Kathy, welcome to the Humans Outside podcast. Well, Amy, thank you for having me. So we start all of our episodes imagining ourselves in our guest's favorite outdoor space, just hanging out, having coffee or something, maybe going on a hike, maybe going on an adventure. Where are we with you today? Well, I think it'll be probably what some of my happy places. I have several happy places, but uh, one of them would be um, around the hills in Maryland here on some trails that I usually go on. And one is Sugarloaf Mountain. It's not really a mountain. It's just a eight mile long uh, series of, of trails around, uh, you know, some hilly areas in Western Maryland. So that that's one happy place. Another happy place that I'd like to go to is a place called Rancho La Puerta. And that's down across the border, uh, south of San Diego in Mexico, uh, in the right outside the town of Tecate. So it's inland a little bit on the the Baja Peninsula, and it's a it's a wellness spa ranch uh, set out in the Mexican mountains, and it is just a beautiful place. So those would be places you might find me, or I wish I was at today. That sounds beautiful. Now, Sugarloaf is um, a uh, has some Civil War connection, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, it's it's in the the Civil War kind of area up towards Frederick, Maryland, yeah. which, which and Harper's Ferry, which were the scenes of you know some Civil War battles and things. So yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they there's not much on Sugarloaf, but I, I'm sure that they were all around you know that area there. Absolutely. So. I think I think I've wandered around there a little bit. Um, you know, the the area where you are in the DC metro area is um it's such a ju- juxtaposition between the city and then suddenly these grand, beautiful parks that a lot of them are designated as uh to commemorate Civil War battlefields. But it, you go from just um corporation parks, like corporate parks, right? And mm-hmm. strip malls to boom fields. It's an incredible thing. Well, you know, Amy, I was thinking that same kind of thing this past weekend. I was out walking, you know, doing a little hiking and, you know, getting out and getting some fresh air, uh, going on Rock Creek Park way, you know, on the weekends, they close off the the roads there. So people cycle and, you know, and can walk along the river and things like that. And it's just, I just was thinking, here's this patch of green beautifulness in the middle, in the heart, really, of the city. Yeah, it is. Uh, 
It is beautiful. DC does a really good job of that. Um, I know by it's absolutely by design, but <laughs> sort of offers offers those safe havens. I just I just love it. Uh, the old recruiting tagline is "Join the Navy, see the world." So you've certainly seen a lot of the world, and we'll get to that because not all of it is directly tied to the Navy thing. But tell us, when did you join the Navy, and why? Uh, well, <laughs> okay, now I'm going to reveal somewhat of my age, but that's. One of the examples I wanted to, to join your podcast is that no matter how old you are, I mean, you can still get out and do things. But I joined the Navy in 1979. I was 22 years old and I was pretty much right out of college. And, you know, for the most part, back then it was post-Vietnam. Uh, they were trying to, to build up the, the forces again and uh, they were heavily recruiting uh, doctors and nurses. So, uh, you know, we were wined and dined a little bit at that time and I thought, you know, being a girl from the Midwest, I wanted to go out to, you know, California. That was, you know, one of the things I wanted to do. And so I was offered uh, orders to San Diego and, you know, I signed up and my initial three-year commitment, which is what I only thought I would uh, stay for, turned into 30 years. So uh, it was a fabulous career and I loved every single second of it. Did you see the world? I would say I saw quite a bit of the world, both, you know, in uniform and, uh, you know, opportunities to travel, uh, you know, on leave and liberty and those things. So I, I was stationed overseas and did the whole Westpac, West you know, that that's what they called uh, the Pacific, uh, was stationed in the Philippines for two years. So mm. traveled all through the, you know, Asia and, and some of those things and, you know, just been on the other side too. So it's it was just a a great career all the way around with the best people, you know, that you could ever want to meet. That's such a, a juxtaposition to uh, being from the Midwest. Like you said, um, you know, a lot of people do join the military for that chance to, to get outside of their hometown and, um, and for lack of a better description, see the world. Um, and then there, of course, there are always people who join the military to see the world and get stationed on a, airfield in mountain home, Idaho, like my dad. So <laughs> that, that's one reason I decided to join the Navy. <laughs> right, exactly. He, he thought he was going to join the Air Force and see the world and they, you know, welcome to your, your uh, security guard box on this, <laughs> on this airfield in Idaho. Have fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're very first good places and, you know, not so desirable places. But, you know, when you, when you serve and you know you choose to serve through a career, you know there's plenty of opportunities to to take both the the undesirable with the most desirable in, in the span of thirty years. So. Oh, ab- absolutely, you know. And the other thing about that is that he um, he loved Idaho. He he'd never been there. He was from California, and he ended up relocating to Idaho after Ooh, I, I, I after I'd go to Idaho in a heartbeat. You know, with some of the things that are there, it's beautiful. Absolutely. And he he thought that he had not lucked out by being stationed there. But of course, in the end, he had it. And I think that's just such a such a commentary on the fact that just what you said, like you can find this beauty anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, And it's always a chance just to get outside of your comfort zone, whether you end up going to the Philippines or not. Um, You know, America is uh, just in itself is so vast in its topography and the different things that you get to see. I mean, heck, I'm up here in Alaska, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. And what a what a change from the DC area where you are, but all all still within my grasp 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come visit you sometime up there. Oh, my goodness. I hope you do. Um, it is just uh, bring a jacket. Okay. <laughs> it, it, is, it is incredible. You know, I was looking at pictures of our move up here, and I uh, did not pack well for that. And I had uh, this one, like, three-quarter zip Nike little tech fabric pullover that I wore our whole trip up here because we moved from Tennessee where it was very hot because it was in June. And then we got up here and it was in the, in the fifties. And there's this picture from the day we arrived where I'm just freezing my ever butt off. Uh, but I wear that pullover now only on some mid temperature runs. Uh, I've sort of relegated it to very specific use because I would never in a million years have a chance to wear that otherwise. And it's just, it's just, uh, it's funny how that, how that goes. So back to back to the point of conversation. Uh, you're from the St. Louis area, which like we've been talking about is just a beautiful, beautiful area. Tell us about your outdoor connection. Have you always been a fan of heading outside? Oh, well, yes. Um, even from a, from a, just from a, a childhood, you know, I mean, I'm, my mom had us in Girl Scouts and, you know, we were always, you know, in our, our schools, always playing sports outdoors and things. So the outdoors to me is, is, is natural and, you know, all, all different seasons. And, you know, in high school, then in the winter, we learned to ski and those kinds of things. So the summer, you know, we were on swim teams. So we were always doing activities outside regardless of the, of the different changes of seasons. But, you know, as I, as I, you know, became more of an adult and things and in my Navy career, um, had opportunities to do some adventure traveling with other like-minded people. And so I kind of uh, got involved in uh, going on different, you know, traveling to different countries and, you know, hiking in mountains and doing that kind of stuff. So um, had the opportunity to at least actually do a couple of the seven summits. So that was that was pretty, pretty interesting. And my first one was Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa. Uh, so that kind of, uh, you know, stimulated some interest in, in doing those kinds of um, uh, adventures with companies that do those things. Um, Absolutely. Um, you, uh, you have done an incredible amount of adventure travel. Uh, do you know how many countries you've visited? But maybe both in and out of the Navy, like recreationally, but uh, also including, including your Navy I've been on every continent except Antarctica. Hmm. Any plans and, to go there? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely in the in the, in the works. You know, in in the in the oh. planning work within the next two years is is awesome. the whole. Awesome. Maybe not on a cruise ship, huh? <laughs> well, that's one of the only ways you really you know get down there. But I it, there's a company you know that I like. Uh, National Geographic. I'm sure you've heard of them. They they run some pretty reputable and really good um, tours. So I, I think I would trust a company like that to to go to a place like Antarctica. Yeah, you definitely definitely have to make sure your uh, you got all your eyes dotted, t's crossed. It's um it's like a, a little bit like adventuring out here in Alaska or really anywhere that's very, very remote, right? Like you have to be prepared for everything and you have to know what you're doing. And that's, um, well, that yeah, be a challenge. when I think about Antarctica, you know, that, that area of the world, which is, you know, down South, South, you know, b- below, um, South America, one of the, the other noteworthy trips I had the opportunity to take was about four years ago, was that going down to Patagonia, the Patagonia region, 
Mm. Oh, I would highly recommend that. It is just so beautiful and so vast and it's just such a unique uh, place in terms of just the vegetation, the, the people, um, the, the wildlife, uh, the scenery. It's, it's, I'd go back there in a heartbeat too. There's not a whole lot, many places I'd, I want to take the time to go back to, but those Patagonia would be one of those areas. How, in the, all of this travel you've done, how do you decide where you want to go? How do you rack and stack it? Uh, that's a good question. Um, you know, in the beginning, it was kind of easy because there, there were so many places and there, there's still so many places, but I feel like I'm checking a couple of things off. Um, it just has to do with, you know, the, the activities you want to do there, um, recommendations from others. Um, I've had several friends that have and family that have, have gone, for instance, to Iceland. I've never been to Iceland. I sure would like to go to Iceland and, and see Iceland. Um, so Scandinavia is another one. One of my sisters uh, spent some time in Norway. And so you know, kind of, you know, got jazzed about that. Um, had some friends that had gone to Morocco over the years and I had never been to Morocco. And that was one of those exotic places that always intrigued me. So Morocco was on my list and I got to do that this past fall. So that, that's another country that is, that is very, very interesting. When you talk about balancing, so, I mean, you're in the Navy for 30 years, right? So you're traveling uh, to these places, you're checking them off your list, um, whether it's a physical list or not, right? And then you're also balancing this career um, with a lot of demands. I don't think people really understand the the demands of um, being in the military or um, the Mm, it's not necessarily consistency, right? There is a lot of consistency, but then you have things like deployments and trainings and changes and you're sort of at Uncle Sam's mercy and you don't get to necessarily decide where you're going to go or when you're going to go there. Um, Or you're told you're going and then it changes the last possible second and now you're going somewhere completely different. I have friends who... So to the point that they had already shipped their car up to Alaska, got re um, assigned to Kentucky, which is not the same, not the same. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, that happens. So how do you balance having these goals and having these um, this plan with the demands of that kind of career? What's your advice? for people? Well, well, you stay flexible that, you know, even early on joining the military, that's what you're told is, you know, the needs of the, in our case, you know, the needs of the Navy comes first and, you know, and in terms of your orders and the timing and those things, um, it's just, you know, at least for me, that was drilled in very early. So I always try to maintain a sense of flexibility on things. And when you're sent places or, or, you know, detailed to deployed to go places, I mean, there's always something to see. There's always time you can carve out if you if you really try and to see something new. It doesn't, you know, have to be so planned. It's just taking advantage of the opportunity of being somewhere mm-hmm. different. Um, so I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, your personal initiative and desire to, you know, to see something, to to have an adventure. And, you know, that was one of the the driving forces for me to to even join the Navy was, you know, a sense of adventure and like I said, three years of it turned into 30 and uh, it was an adventure the whole way. And you just have to be flexible. Yeah. And it also, it may be intentional, right? Because you're always looking for those opportunities. It's It can be super easy to instead um, 
look at what's around you and consider it um, sort of the same old, same old, or, you know, not the easiest thing or not um, ultimately convenient and just stay home or do the same thing over and over again. Yeah. There's people like that. And and we know them all that, that are less than, you know, adventurous, adventuresome and would probably rather, you know, maybe stay in their quarters or something and maybe not go out on a tour or, or just, you know, knocking around and seeing what's, what's out there meeting, meeting other people and things like that. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it, it gets down to some of your personal nature and, you know, some people would rather take orders to certain places where they wouldn't have to, you know, move, move around very much. You know, I always like to take orders to different places and do different mm-hmm. things. So I, my career was, was filled with those things. Like for instance, I uh, went to Columbus, Ohio um, as a Lieutenant and did recruiting duty. And, you know, most people, Oh, Columbus, Ohio, why would you, you know, want to do that? It was the greatest tour. It was really fun. Um, it, personally, the the job was was good, but just you know, living in a in Columbus, Ohio, was a great city, and I dearly loved it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I uh, the other thing is is that you also choose to be happy wherever you are. We hear that a lot in the military mm-hmm. family community that um, if you're looking for ways to utilize where you've been stationed or to really embrace it, what you know, whether that was at the top of your list or not. Um, then you're more likely to make the best of it and be happy, even if it's not your favorite place, right? Uh, Fort Campbell, Kentucky, where we lived for a while, was not my favorite place. But that had nothing to do with the fact, uh, with the um, landscape or the adventures around there. It just wasn't a great place for our family, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but man, I loved Land Between the Lakes, which is a um, uh, Army Corps of Engineer recreation area nearby. Uh, and I just thought the region was absolutely beautiful. And we we made the best of it um, mm-hmm. and then got out of Dodge, you know. <laughs> well, you know, there, there you have Nashville nearby and, and you know, some Knoxville, you know, and, and absolutely. The Smoky Mountains. I mean, there's there's all sorts of stuff to do. Absolutely. And but then I talk to people who are up here who just cannot be persuaded to like it or to try to like it, at least as far as I can see. And, and maybe that's me being a little judgmental because I love it so much. But I talked to uh, um, an individual a couple weeks ago who said something like, oh, I can't go outside because the, the weather is... Um, you know, insert weather here, right? You'll always have an excuse. And and I said, oh man, you know, have you tried this? Have you tried that? Have you gone here? Have you gone there? Have you checked that out? And she had an excuse for, reason, you know, a reason not to do every single thing. Uh, and it, you know, at the end of the conversation, it came out down to, she didn't want to, which is fine, but let's mm-hmm. admit that, <laughs> you know, it's not the place that that's the problem. It's the circumstance. It's maybe how you're feeling about it. Um, and ultimately it's your decision to, to not want to do that. And that's fine too, but you got to really like, you know, embrace it or not. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. see, wherever you are, you know, you can always learn. I always tried to learn like a new activity or something too. And I just, when you were talking, I was thinking, boy, if I was up in Alaska, I'd want to, I'd want to, you know, learn to fish, you know, out there for salmon and stuff like that, you know, just, just be out there and, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, get my rifle out, you know, and kind of do some hunting or something. Yeah, hey humans. I want to tell you about a super exciting giveaway we're doing over at humansoutside.com. All you have to do is sign up for our newsletter and you'll be entered into a raffle to win a free Humans Outside decal. Perfect 
for your water bottle or rocket box. Use it to brag to your friends that you are making spending time outside part of your everyday life. Head on over to humansoutside.com to sign up or visit the link in our podcast notes. Now, back to the show. So you said that you've hiked two of the seven peaks, right? Two of them? Or is it three now? No, it's Aconcagua and in South America um, and uh, Mount Kilimanjaro. Okay. And you've also been to Everest Space Camp. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, we saw Everest. I I cannot claim having climbed Everest, but uh, we made it to the Everest Base Camp, which in and of itself was... A feat. Yeah, that's a that's a huge accomplishment. I, I don't think people um, people who do not climb do not understand the level of accomplishment that is because it it sounds like something you drive up to, but it is not. I mean, it is a substantial effort to get there. There are no cars that drive up there. You cannot. Um, the only cars are way down at Kathmandu, and you have to fly from Kathmandu in a in a little puddle jumper with these experienced pilots that land in this. A very dangerous airport. It's called Lukla. You can Google Lukla, and it will come. What will come up is it's the world's most dangerous airport. It, the airstrip is probably even smaller than a carrier hmm. on, a, on an aircraft carrier. But anyway, these guys are professionals. They they get in there and do that. And so you, they drop you off there, and then you you hike from Lukla, you know, through the valleys and uh, up through the mountains. You see the different changes, and that that takes about five days to get up to Everest base camp from there. Um, (laughs) And what made you decide to, to tackle these things specifically? Oh, you know, that's, oh, that's a good question because I can. I think that's a great reason. It would would boil (laughs) down to that because I still can. And I'll have to tell you, you know, uh, Everest base camp, I was 60 years old, you know, and many of the people in our group, um, I'd say about maybe not quite half, but a, a, a quarter of them were, you know, probably in their early 30s. Two of them had to be evacuated off the mountain for wow. altitude sickness. And I never had a problem at all. So I know you want to talk about keeping up with this stuff as as an older American. Um, talk to me about that. Why, why is that? American? What? <laughs> Define that. Well, uh, your words, not mine earlier, right? As you get older. Okay. Uh, Talk to me about that, though. Why is that? um, Why is that an important subject for you? I I mean, you're a healthcare professional, right? So you know the statistics, you know the risks. Why is that something that's important to you to keep doing? I think it's just to, to stay engaged and do things that you really love, you know, for as long as you can. Um, and you know, now I'm not, quite retired, but perhaps, you know, I'm, I started my own company, so I'm doing consulting. So I have a, a bit more flexibility with my time. So I want to be able to do the things that are important to me, uh, you know, certainly for these next several years. Wow. You know, I, I God, you know, knock on wood, uh, I'm enjoying good health and work at maintaining my physical um, capabilities. Um, I, that's something no matter what age you are, Amy, you've got to always work at because it doesn't just happen. You have to you have to want to do it and have to you know work for it to maintain your health and your stamina, all those things. So I do work on that um, to maintain myself so I can take 
some of these trips and continue doing some of these things. But, you know, I mean, going to ever space camp, that that's a once in a lifetime thing. And that was a, you know, it's not cheap. So I mean, no. it, it did cost a lot of money. You had to save for it, certainly. But, um, you know, now at this point in my life, I've got a lot of, you know, saved money and those kinds of things um, to, to be able to, you know, do things like that or other things. I mean, I like to scuba dive also. So that's, you know, that's a, that's another thing. You know, I've got some expensive habits here. <laughs> I'm hearing that. But, mm-hmm. you know, I keep going back in my mind to that you've made this a priority, right? This is what yeah. you, you want to do. So um, people spend a lot of time recreating uh, once they hit where you are in life, right? Where you, mm-hmm. you're mostly mm-hmm. retired. Um, but they do it in a lot of ways that aren't necessarily active, Uh I'm thinking about the folks who spend a lot of time RVing, but not much else, right? They get to the place and then they sit in the campground Um, or, um, you know, just uh, golfing or a lot of really sedentary um, sports. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering um, maybe as from your perspective as a healthcare professional, but also um, as someone who prefers to be active, what your advice is for people who are sort of staring down the, you know, habit forming and decision making and how they're going to spend their lives. Well, I would you know, say, you know, do the things that you love that bring you joy. Um, and if you you can't do some of the things perhaps that maybe you used to do um, when you when you were younger, because I mean, some you know things happen with with people and things and they can't enjoy some of those things, or at least to the extent that they did before. Find other things to to bring you joy or modify, you know, what you can do in those activities that that you really, really still love. Um, you know, for instance, um, I love downhill skiing. I like mm. cross country skiing and snowshoeing, certainly. But, you know, I love downhill skiing. But I'll I, to be quite honest, I was skiing in Colorado over Christmas. I don't do those black diamond trails the, the way I used to. I don't even go near them. I'll go on the the blues and the, and the greens. And I like the more wide open spaces and maybe not as steep. So, you know, I've had to modify some of the things I do. I'm not the little daredevil, you know, going over little jumps like I, like I certainly used to do or going down through the trees. There's Mm -hmm. no way I'm going to do that, but you know, I love being out in the mountains and I love, you know, skiing. And so, you know, I think that's just life. We, we know some of those risks and we don't take those things, you know, don't do that stuff anymore, but you know, you mentioned golf. Golf, I wouldn't consider as sedentary. I've played that off and on through the years. And really, that is a, that's a great game that you gets you outdoors. And, you know, you can do that for, you know, for a long time in, in your life. So I, I think golf is, is, a, is a great game and it's, and it's social and um, it's, it's something that gets people out there. So there's a wide variety of things that you can do, not just in the outdoors, but, you know, I mean, I have friends that have RVs and things too. And they, they travel cross country. And sometimes I, I think about that too. And I think going to Yellowstone and some of that stuff would be, you know, our national park system would be, you know, really, really fun to do. So I think getting out and being active. You've identified two things. One, my anti-golf bias and two, my RV jealousy. So (laughs) (laughs) there you go. No, I, uh, we are proud tent campers, but Part of my pride in tent camping is um, due to lack of other options. So, <laughs> okay, well, you do what you can with what you have. That's right. So, I I 
proclaim my um, devotion to the tent because I do not own an RV yet. And therefore, uh, I feel better about being cold and in a tent when I say things like, we tent camp, you know, with (laughs) sort of um, a proclamation of um, affirmation and conviction, you know? (laughs) You do do learn a lot about survival and and things when you do tent camping. You know, I I love doing that in my younger days, but, you know, now mm -mm, it would have to be a luxury tent. Well, if anyone wants to donate a camper van to me, I am open uh, for camper van donations. No, we um, we constantly toy with moving on from the tent because it's uh, it really unless you are willing to be cold and sort of up your game, which I am not, uh, it does really limit how much of a season you get here because, um, you know, you're really looking at starting in May with some pleasant temperatures and then sort of calling it quits by the end of September. Um, and we would mm-hmm. love to be able to, to sort of extend beyond that, but also to, um, you know, even in the summertime, the weather's not always great. Right. And so yeah. the, the more it rains, the higher my misery level. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I, I want to be a happy camper. That's why that's a title. I want to be that. But uh, when I am wet and cold, yeah. I'm not mm-hmm. a happy camper. So, yeah. Okay, so I'm hoping you can tell me, uh, give us some advice for people who want to fit that adventure lifestyle that you've really seamlessly integrated at this point into your lifestyle, into their lifestyle. You know, maybe they're older, maybe they're younger. How do you make it a priority? What do you need to do to make this be a thing in your life? Well, you know, I, you, you can't make it. I mean, you have to have a sense of adventure. And if, you know, traveling, let's, let's, you know, let's not beat around the bush. Traveling takes a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. And I've seen, you know, traveling change, you know, over the years. I mean, you know, after 9-11 with all the security and, you know, this kind of stuff, it, it it's just evolved and it, it takes a lot of planning. Um, I think you need to have the time to do it and, and the planning aspect of it. I mean, really research where you want to go and what you want to do and what activities you want to do when you get there. Um, and build in the the understanding of of what it's going to take to get there. So I think just the the whole sheer planning of it, and you know, it, it always helps to have a have a group of friends, you know, uh, that you enjoy traveling with, or you know, a, a company that you really know and have gotten to know. Like um, mm. for instance, I've traveled several times uh, with. Uh, it's called the company's called Bobio B I O B I O. And what they do is uh, they are a wilderness medical, you know, they, they cater kind of, or their niche market is, uh, you know, doctors and nurses, medical types, because they offer a continuing medical education along on these trips, like Everest Base Camp, Kilimanjaro. There, there's a, 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 an expert in wilderness medicine who accompanies the, the group. And so you have, you know, they carve out time to have uh, some instruction on, you know, wilderness medicine topics. Uh, especially as it relates to the to the area that you're visiting, um, so it's it's educational at the same time, and you earn continuing medical education credits. Um, so that that's an aspect of something that has appealed to me, and why I've gone with them several times and to several different places. Hmm. And um, what about balancing career and and um, 
and doing that. You know, not everyone has the leave time or flexibility that the military offers. We talked about how the military is not flexible earlier, but also in many ways it is flexible because you do get quite a lot of leave. And of course you do find yourself in, in a lot of foreign countries where it may be easier to access the adventure than it was from the States. What, what would your advice to those people be? Uh, well, you know, again, prioritize. I mean, there's there's never enough time to do everything we want to do in, in life. I mean, I, I still feel that now, even though I have a little bit more time and some more flexibility there, I still feel like I don't have enough enough time to, to do everything I want to do. So you've got to prioritize, um, really. And it's, it involves, I think, also some self-reflection um, on, you know, what's really important. You know, you're given a certain amount of time. Uh, on this earth, what do you really want to see and do? And plus, you know, you you got to mix that in with, you know, the family, you know, your family too, that you're obligated to, to visit and stuff. It, it's certainly not just all about me and where I want to go. I, you know, I have a, my father is 90 years old. I've, I've got mm. close tabs on him back in St. Louis. So, you know, I have other family and other family obligations and things and things that come up. So it's hard. Mm. But if you, I guess the theme of what we're talking about is really like, if you want to make this work, you can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, okay. So we've come to where we have some leftovers, just some things I like to know from folks that hmm, maybe didn't get talked about. So uh, we have not talked at all about what your favorite gear is. What is your favorite outdoor gear? Well, that would depend on on the activity, certainly. Um, but I think my when I'm out doing the the hiking and the, and those kind of some of those adventure trips that I've done in the past, my favorite gear are wind pants. Hmm. Ah, good. It, so are wind pants? Do we mean similar to rain pants? Uh, no, these are a little more substantial. Okay. And, uh, they're they're Gore-Tex, you know. Okay. Water, oh, okay. Water repellent. I'm surprised you don't have them up where you are in Alaska. I own several pairs of very nice rain pants, um, but I do not. Uh, I do not own any wind specific pants. I am a big old wuss about the wind, and I, mm. I like to not be in it. So. <laughs> Now, I will say, in in defense of our gear collection, or rather, uh, perhaps a commentary on it, my husband owns so much stuff that I have lost track. Yeah, um, I so got you. I'm, I've got all sorts of little favorite things. I love my headlamp. Mm. Um, I have a, a special knife that you know that's a it's a short, stubby little thing, but it's very sharp, and I wear that uh, on a, a a thing around my neck, so I have it always there, and I've used that for any number of different things. So it's always good to have something like that around. Absolutely. So what's your most essential gear? Maybe it's that knife you that you rely on. Essential gear? Hmm. Could be, could be the knife. Um, again, you have to pack that, you know, and I usually stick it in one of my boots and in my gear bag. Also a nice gear bag, um, is an essential item that, uh, you know, that's got some mesh and some compartments in it that, you know, is, that is versatile for you that you can use again and again and again. What brand do you love? Uh, well, uh, Patagonia would be probably my top bag. Yeah. I've got a, I've got a Patagonia black hole duffel that I use just for literally any trip. Um, mm-hmm. and it is, 
It isn't oh, uh, maybe too big for most things that I do, but I use it anyway. And I do love it. I love it so much. I'm never worried about my stuff getting wet outside when it's going from, you know, to the airplane or whatever. Just, yeah. Yeah. That, that that bag is worth the cost. Tell you what. Yeah. Yeah. What you pay for in a lot of the, the gear that you select. So I would always opt for the, the name, you know, name brand, like for instance, Patagonia, that's a, that's a good, that's a good name and they have good products, but you're going to pay more probably, but you know, it's worth it. Yeah. And they have a great product uh, guarantee, not an advertisement truly for Patagonia in any way, except to say that they do make a great product and their guarantee is spot on. Um, I've got a, I've got a sling bag I use as my, just as like a woman's purse, essentially that's the straps are starting to come apart and um, they are going to replace the straps for me and it'll be good as new. And I love it. So that's great. I don't need something new. I just need the thing I have to keep going. So, well, you know, another good, good piece of gear that you should put some time and effort into uh, researching is your backpacks. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what kind do you use? Um, I'm blocking on, it's down in the basement right now, but it was a, the one I got for the Everest and I'm, I, uh, it was um, Osprey. Hmm. That's Yeah. That's what we use too. Yeah. That is a great, yeah. great piece of equipment. Mm-hmm. Also recommend. Yeah. All right. Final thing. If you close yeah. your eyes and envision your most favorite outdoor moment ever, where are you and what are you doing? Um, reaching, actually going around a ridge and actually seeing uh, the base camp, Mount Everest base camp. Mm. That was, that was an exhilarating moment. Yeah. yeah. What an incredible moment. Thank you so much for coming on the Humans Outside podcast today. Thanks, Amy. Thanks for having me. Good luck up there. Thanks so much for joining us for the Humans Outside podcast. If you liked this episode, leave us a rating or review so that others can find the podcast too. Until next time, we'll see you out there.